Leave Curtis alone with the microphone. You never know what you're going to get. Well, you're going to find out during the editing. Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today we're discussing nonfiction and our November TBR lists. I'm Curtis. And I'm Chelsea. First, we have a great question about audiobooks. At Mrs. Murphy Reads on Instagram asked us, how do you select an audiobook for car rides when you both have different tastes? The easiest thing is try to find the perfect Venn diagram of where your tastes overlap. Yeah, but that doesn't that's always, not always easy. Yeah, that doesn't always happen. Well, we have a few areas of overlap. Yeah. Usually like mystery or memoir is the golden ticket for us. And I think what helps us the most is just having a couple options. Because even if we think we like the book or the subject matter, if the person who's reading it isn't engaging or we don't like the voice, we need something that we can swap off of it. So it's better to have two or three options rather than being limited to like the one that you think is going to be perfect. Yes, that definitely helps. Also, if it's a super long ride, sometimes it's nice to go back and forth between two if you Mm -hmm. can keep the plot straight. If they're totally different tones, just because... If it's a super long ride, sometimes mm-hmm. it's just hard to stay awake. <laughs> I think we've mentioned it before that our go-to is either a TV adaptation or a celebrity memoir from something that we like, like a TV show. Yeah, I think those translate to like really broad audiences. So if it's a book that is being made into a TV series or a movie, that's probably going to have wide appeal across a few genres. And if it's a celebrity memoir of someone that you both like, automatic go-to. I also think like it doesn't have to be a shared genre interest. No. If you're both interested in if you're both interested in politics, then it's easy to find a book about politics. Because there's you know a what thousand I mean? memoirs like, related to that. If you are sharing a car ride together, chances are you have at least one interest that overlaps. One would only hope, otherwise it's gonna be a boring car ride. <laughs> When you run out of stuff to talk about and your individual iPod is dead. If Um, you're married, that's a good opportunity to listen to like a book about marriage. Marriage development. Guess what, honey? Good one. We're listening to... We're doing audiobook couples counseling. Dave Ramsey says you need to stop spending money. (laughs) Uh, I mean, a couple of celebrity memoirs that we've both liked are Bossy Pants by Tina Fey and Yes, Please by Amy Poehler, because they both read their own books and they're funny people. We liked Nick Offerman, his book. Paddle Paddle Your Own Yeah, that one. Yeah. But Busy Phillips just came out with one, and I'm excited to listen to that one on an upcoming road trip. Now, I know Busy Phillips from the Thrilling Adventure Hour, where she was a contributor for that old-time radio podcast. What do you remember her from? Um, Freaks and Geeks, first and foremost. But she has really mostly gained Instagram fame, so I more so know her from social media. And she's just got a new talk show, too. Yeah. So that's a good time to get caught up on her memoir. We plan on listening to Busy Phillips' memoir and our upcoming road trip for free from our sponsor, Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash hereadsheread to download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash heredsheread to get started today. We've used Audible and love downloading brand new, well-produced audiobooks for road trips and commutes. 
The perfect mix of a great narrator, immersive plot, and charismatic characters is essential for audiobooks. Given its fast plot and immersive setting, A Darker Shade of Magic would be an excellent road trip listen. Other sci-fi fantasy books we love on audio include Red Rising by Pierce Brown and The Martian by Andy Weir. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash hereadsheread. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash hereadsheread for your free audiobook. I hope that that answers the question, but really it's difficult because you just kind of have to go trial and error with audiobooks and figure out what works for you. I hope that Mrs. Murphy Reads can find something in that Venn diagram of shared interests. <laughs> but next week's episode is going to be all about audiobooks. And we're kind of anticipating holiday road trip season. We personally drive really far to see family and audiobooks are a lifesaver for car trips. So go ahead and send us your questions about audiobooks. You can do that via Instagram at hereadsheread or our email is hereadsheredpodcast at gmail.com if you have a lengthy tale that accompanies your question for us. (laughs) All right, dear. This week's episode is all about nonfiction. Nonfiction November. We didn't invent that, to be clear. But we're full participants. But it's a thing, so I don't know who started it. But we're ready. But I'm here for any alliteration. It's my favorite part of the English language. Alliteration? Probably. I enjoy metaphor. I don't know. I'm, I'm just really into puns. I have a question for you. Sure. When did you start reading nonfiction? Ooh. Um, probably... Before I was 10, like when I was a young kid, um, I was into history from a young age and I was a history major in college. So that love of storytelling and looking back starts early. So I can remember um, my grandfather reading me a picture book about like the Battle of Little Bighorn, probably when I was like five. And then I got really into the Civil War and read a lot of books on Lee and Grant and all those things and still do. But from a young age, that's what I was into. How about you? I really only remember getting into nonfiction over the last maybe two years. So after Hamilton? (laughs) No. (laughs) That might be the case for a lot of people. That got into nonfiction because of Lin-Manuel Miranda. But no, it was really just more so because we were trying to find some places where our reading tastes intersected. We're looking for that Venn diagram. Yeah, and you read a lot of nonfiction. And so I thought, well, I like to learn things. I like to stretch myself as a reader. So I started to think maybe I could read more nonfiction for fun rather than just stuff that I had read for school. Probably because of your influence over the last few years. Aww. I started reading more nonfiction. But when I was a kid, I really avoided nonfiction. Well, I think as a kid, it's hard when like, they make you read nonfiction things and you learn about history in school and it's not your thing. Like me yeah. in school, like if you can picture just a little nerd kid just being like embracing <laughs> all of the history glasses that I can and then just finding stuff to read when you got home, that, that was me. I loved history class, but then I would go home and read historical fiction. Yeah, I never really got into the historical fiction piece. Like, if it was going to have those elements, I just wanted it to be a true story. Yeah, I think that's a lot of what you read now. So Still true, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you look for when you're picking nonfiction to read? Mostly memoirs and topics that I don't either don't know a lot about or know a lot about. Military history, obviously, being in the Army. 
and I'm also big into sports history. So maybe my favorite nonfiction book of the last couple of years was When Pride Still Mattered, which was the history of Vince Lombardi, because um, we're both huge Green Bay Packer fans growing up in Wisconsin. But I didn't really know a lot about Lombardi, and I just knew a lot of his quotes, but didn't have his background. So picked that up, and as a biography, it was outstanding. So it's mainly memoirs, biographies, or analysis of wars and battles and stuff like that. Like I could imagine myself maybe reading a portion of the Lombardi book and enjoying that. I can't imagine myself reading the whole thing. I did listen to the Hamilton biography on audio. The whole one by Ron Turner? All freaking 20-some hours. Nice. Mm-hmm. I haven't even read that. I know, I beat you. <laughs> the one biography you beat me to, and all of a sudden it's just like, I beat you! Um, It's an accomplishment, okay? Okay. I just wanted to be different, so I read Washington instead. I feel like that will certainly enhance your reading of the Hamilton biography, because it's probably going to be about a lot of the same stuff. But of course. Um, <laughs> So I did listen to that. I listened to an Abigail Adams biography. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> Those, like, I really had to, like, force myself to listen to. What I look for in nonfiction, I prefer essays, um, memoir, and not necessarily, like, memoir of specific events like you, but memoir just, like, of a person's overall life. Like, I really enjoyed reading Educated by Tara Westover. Um, One of my favorite books of all time is the autobiography of Malcolm X. So I guess in nonfiction, I want to learn something, but I want to learn while I'm really engaged, which means that I really like when it's a really, really good writer or when the material hooks me and it's a good story. Other factors that I have is I need to know that the author knows what they're talking about. So it helps if they have like special access for whatever they're reading or writing about and I'm a big fan of like Pulitzer Prize winners and certain things in that genre. So if I see something on the shelf and it's just like, we're covering this event and they won or got the Pulitzer for it, I'll pick it up the shelf all day. Yeah. That's, those are factors that I'm looking for in a broader sense is people who are bringing a unique perspective so that I learn something and then people that have been recognized for doing good work. For both of us, the motivation for reading nonfiction is just that we genuinely love to learn new stuff. We're nerds like that. Totally. At least multiple times a week you tell me something (laughs) that you learned. Well, I think it helps that you know I'm paying attention. What do you mean? (laughs) Well, if I was just like sitting around and watching paint dry, (laughs) then you'd be like, I gotta get rid rid of this guy. I need an upgrade. But if I should... So you're saying people who don't like to learn are boring? Well... If you're not, like, actively using your brain, it's just sitting there. See? That's why I tell you that I learned things. Because then you're like, huh. Hubba hubba. That that husband of mine putting his brain to good use. (laughs) Okay. So, for nonfiction November specifically, what are a couple of books that you would like to read this month? Well, Prioritization is our nonfiction buddy read for the month. Do mm-hmm. we want to talk about that right off the bat? Sure. So we've got You Learn by Living by Eleanor Roosevelt. This is the book that I bought at the bookstore and you looked at it and you said, huh, I'd like to read that. And so 
I was like, okay, well, that's our next buddy read. Nonfiction it, November. It's, sometimes it's selection for our buddy reads is really simple. It's basically a collection of essays. So a couple of titles that I think sound really interesting. How everyone can take part in politics, especially important as the day that this releases is election day. Early voting. So hopefully everyone has voted or is on their way to vote by the time that they listen to this. It's the number one thing you can do to participate. Yes. And we'll see what else Eleanor has to say about that. Um, learning to learn. It's oh. like it was written for us. Speak to me, Eleanor. <laughs> Speak to me. Um, the right to be an individual and how to get the best out of people. That's just a handful of them. But I think that these essays, from what I have heard, it's timeless wisdom. And we both can dig that for sure. And it's not that long, so we should finish it relatively quickly yeah. and move on to our other reads that we're excited about do, for November. I think that's the thing about nonfiction that I look forward to is I prefer short nonfiction. Ooh, I'm the opposite. I know. Like when I saw Ron Chernow's Grant biography that's like a thousand pages and weighs 20 pounds, I was so excited. Yeah. And I'm like, how about 250 pages or under, please? Like if there's not 100 pages of references, <laughs> I'm disappointed. Um, what else do you want to read this month? Well, the first book that I had is just because I borrowed it from the library for a project. and I had Wait, to... you borrowed a book from the library? So funny story, podcast listeners. Um, Chelsea picked me up from school one day. <laughs> Sounds so funny, but backstory. <laughs> we share a car. We do share a car. Right now. <laughs> so I'm standing out on the sidewalk, and I have about six books that I had just picked up from the library for an assignment. And I get in the car, and Chelsea's like, well, yeah, what are those? They look like they've got some Dewey decimals on the bindings and stuff. And I said, do you know they have these things where you can just look stuff up and they have books for you and you can borrow them? That's a library, folks. You were so excited the whole entire car ride home. And then we had to stop at Target and I like ran in and you were in the car reading your library books, yeah, sitting with all of them, like hugging them because you were so happy <laughs> because you could take out five at a time. Well, further backstory is I already owned three of the books, but they're in storage in our room full of boxes because we're not unpacking them so instead of digging i'm just gonna go get them from the library uh, but one of the ones that i picked up that i have been looking for and haven't read yet is relentless strike uh, the secret history of joint special operations command by sean naylor uh, it bleeds into um, a memoir that i'm finishing uh, by general stanley mccrystal um, who was the commander of joint special operations command so it's just a History of operations going back to the beginning from like the 1970s, 1980s, all through today, current stuff. Um, he's got unprecedented access. He was a Military Times contributor, and he's been working in, in with JSOC for years. So he's got the one thing I look for, which is access, and he's going to hopefully tell me some stories that I would normally not be exposed to. So that's the first one I'm going to read this month because I have to get, take it back to the library. Yeah, that's good motivation to get it done. What's your next one that you're excited about? I actually, this is my month of, it's going to be short nonfiction. This book is only about 100 pages. It's actually just a long essay. It's called Tell Me How It Ends, and it's by um, Valeria Lucelli. And 
I'm just going to read the paragraph on the back because I don't feel like I can describe it any better. Tell Me How It Ends, an essay in 40 questions, is an indictment of our treatment of undocumented children, a reckoning with our culpability for the dangers they are fleeing, and a damning confrontation between the ideals of the American dream and the reality of American racism and fear. Tell Me How It Ends is required reading for anyone concerned with human rights, human dignity, and our most fundamental responsibilities to each other. That basically explains what it is and why I am going to read it. This has been sitting on my shelf for a couple of months, and I really don't have an excuse for not reading it because it is short. Although I have to say, I think I've realized, especially since I grew up as such a library user, mm -hmm. that the library really drove my reading life for so long. Yeah. That now that I'm a little bit more of a book owner, book collector, there are certain books that I like to own. If I own a book, I'm more likely to keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Because Even if it's a book I really want to read. Because it's not going anywhere. Yeah, and that's true for like the other couple of books that I'm going to talk about. Or books that you've had for a while and just never got yes. into. <laughs> I'm in the same boat, actually, so this will be interesting. We're both just trying to clean off our shelves and get stuff done. Yeah. What's your next nonfiction November pick? The Bully Pulpit um, by Doris Kearns Goodwin. So this is one of the best books of the year when it came out uh, in 2013. I think I got it that same year and it's just been sitting up for a couple of years. Um, it's about the relationship between Teddy Roosevelt, who we've already talked about, and William Howard Taft, how they were originally friends and then they were fighting for the same nomination for president and just bashing each other in the press. Um, and it's the rest of the subtitle is uh, Theodore Roosevelt, William Howard Taft, and the Golden Age of Journalism. So uh, Doris Girdwin kind of goes over the muckraking process in the press where people were just attacking each other and there wasn't a lot of standardization and keeping people accountable. And people could, if you paid for it, you could just put it in the paper. Um, so I'm interested in that, which is applicable in today's news structure. So it, it'll be interesting to see parallels between 1912 and 2016. And 2017 and 2018, because we haven't really figured our shit out. <laughs> so I'm interested to see how that one's going to go. Uh, I don't think she got the Pulitzer for this one, but she's a Pulitzer winner. And if you aren't know anything about history and the uh, ones that write really good biographies, Doris Kurt Goodwin is way up there. It would be interesting to read that one about the 1912 news media situation. And then I think an interesting pairing with that would be Dan Rather's book, What Unites Us, because I think that he discusses some of what he's seen over the course of his long career with the news. Mm -hmm. I think that could be an interesting pairing. We'll see if I can. Sidebar. <laughs> we'll see if I can make it in the same month, but yeah. How long is the bully pulpit? Oh, it's got to be a thousand pages. Um, it is nine hundred and twenty-eight. Yeah, so. that one might be like you start it in November, finish it in Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> but it. I'm excited for it. It's been sitting up on the shelf for a while, and I'm gotta make the commitment and get it all done. Uh, what's your next one? Okay, so this is my last. Like, I have to read this in November book. Um, the Fire Next Time by James Baldwin. Another really short one, like 100 pages. I picked this up on one of our bookstore dates. I've been meaning to read it for a long time, but especially after I just read What Truth Sounds Like, where Michael Eric Dyson mentions James Baldwin throughout the course of that entire book. I like to be sort of in 
the same conversation for a while when mm-hmm. I'm reading things. Yeah, because you're so, building off of it. Yeah. Um, so I like to create connections as I read. So I would like to pick this one up right away and have that connection to what truth sounds like. The Fire Next Time is a book that first was published in 1963. James Baldwin is an amazing, amazing writer. And it was recommended to me by both Nick Stone and my dear friend Ruth Ann. And that's a winning combo. How can I not read it if it's recommended by both of them? Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I at the very least plan on reading in November, but I have some other books that I would like to read this month. So what's what else is on your nonfiction TBR? Or do you have another one that you're gonna start this month? I do. Um, this one I'm not really 100% like need to get it done in November, but I'd like to start it. Uh, it's gonna be Undaunted Courage, Meriwether Lewis, Thomas Jefferson, and the Opening of the American West by Stephen Ambrose. So. It's about the Lewis and Clark expedition and is brought from the journals and letters that Lewis, Clark, and Jefferson and other members of the party had. Um, and then there's going to be dedicated chapters to like Lewis's early life. This one I don't really know a lot about, so it goes in that category of I want to... I have an author that I trust because Stephen Ambrose wrote Band of Brothers and a couple other World War II books prior to writing Undaunted Courage, so I trust him that he's going to be good about his sources and a writing style that I enjoy, but he's going to teach me something new that I don't really know a lot about. (laughs) So it'll be interesting to get a factual account rather than like the cutesy puppet version that you get in elementary school. Yeah, like the glossed over story. Yeah. I'm excited for it. It's uh, It seems like it's going to be good. And that's the only three that I'm going to start this month because I'm trying to be actually like start and reali- finish realistic books. about what I can start and finish. So, <laughs> Well, that's why I am focusing on the three super short books, like three books that are all 100 pages. I can definitely finish for nonfiction November. Yeah, and I'm going like over 700 pages in the 1800s, 1900s, and then modern day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do, I have some other books that are on my nonfiction to be read list that I would ideally like to get to this month. What do you got? Okay, so I have three books from the library that I'm excited about. I have to pick them up and hold them in my hands, otherwise, I don't know how to talk about that. <laughs> You're so cute. Is that like a teacher thing? I think it's a teacher thing. <laughs> I have to hold the book and talk about it. Okay, so the first one is How Democracies Die. And this one is by Stephen Levitsky and Daniel Ziblatt. And they are both professors of government at Harvard. Ah, Harvard men. Yes. So this is basically a look at how democracies have failed around the world and what we can do to keep ours alive. So I've heard really good things about this book. Um, I think it's like you said, you look for experts um, to Harvard government professors should pretty much know what they're talking about. Um, So one of them studies Europe from 19th century to present day. And the other one focuses on Latin America and the developing world. So they are studying democracies in different areas of the world, which I think is interesting. And that's going to be interesting to see how they analyze the United States. So that one I'm excited to read. 
pretty short, lots of end notes uh-huh, there that you go. should ring your bell. Writing sor- citing sources is important. But it's under 250 pages, which is my sweet spot. Not bad. The other two that I have from the library, I have The Sun Does Shine, How I Found Life and Freedom on Death Row by Anthony Ray Hinton. This is an Oprah's Book Club 2018 selection, and for those of you who really hate stickers, well, don't look at the cover of this one. It's got one. It's got an Oprah sticker, which you know what? I don't mind. I've heard nothing but amazing reviews for this book. Anthony Ray Hinton spent nearly 30 years on death row for a crime that he didn't commit. This is him telling his story in memoir format. Again, it's short under 250 pages, um, but impactful and super powerful. That's my other one from the library. And then my last nonfiction book that I got from the library is Bad Blood, Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup by John Carey Rue, I think. I don't know how to say his last name. This one is, I'm just waiting for this to be adapted into a movie. I really think it could be. So in 2015, Elizabeth Holmes, CEO and founder of Theranos was anticipated to be like they were calling her female Steve Jobs and she promised this like brilliant new startup where she was going to create this small handheld device that would take a little blood sample and then tell you a bunch of things based on that blood sample. The device itself would? Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. She was making it all up and the technology like didn't work and she couldn't like she couldn't fulfill any of her promises. Yes. But all of these investors like people were so excited about it. And so basically I think it's about like how she lied and pulled this over on everyone. How she just totally conned investors. Nice. So going to get all that money. Well, she's not. <laughs> well, she probably did for a while. Pretty sure she's indicted now, but um, I think that this one's going to be really interesting. And I've heard that it's really, like, can't put it down, readable, page turning. So those are three library books that I picked out. Nice. We'll see. I, I would like to prioritize those since they are from the library, but I think I can probably renew them. I'm realizing that that's very easy to do in our library system here. <laughs> Which is a good and bad thing, I guess. Good for me. Good for you. Bad for library circulation. <laughs> what else is on your to-be-read list in general? That's really it. I just got to finish up my current read, which is still a couple hundred pages from finishing. I'm doing The uh, the Outsider by Stephen King. So far, I love it. Started it for my late October Halloween read. And it's, so far, it's really good. I'm a fan. It doesn't really have supernatural elements but it's a mystery of it's really just a horrendous crime solving process uh after a child gets murdered so i'm thinking you'll actually enjoy it if you get start to get into stephen king that i'm willing to try that one if it's not too scary nope not too bad i do on my list is on writing by stephen king i mean you got to start somewhere so that's a good one to start from yeah that one i feel like is one that you might pick up and read a portion of and put down for a while. Like, I don't feel like that's one to read in one sitting. So I might do that. I have two more nonfiction books that I'd like to read that have been on my shelf forever. You are ambitious for the month. I told, okay, I will definitely make it through the first three books that I mentioned. Yeah. Because those are super short. Depending on 
how hooked I get on these three from the library, those might be doable too. Mm -hmm. These other two, I don't know if I'll get to this month, but I really want to read them soon. What else you got? Okay, the first one is Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper. And I, this is another case of I'm really excited to read it. I'm so glad to own it and have heard nothing but great things. But because it's on my shelf anytime, I've been putting it off. This book has a lot to do with tone policing, which is something that I think a concept that you learned about when we read So So You you Want want to Talk talk About about Race. race. Um, And it focuses on tone policing black women's anger. What really made me want to pick up this book is the front cover. Um, Eloquent rage keeps us all honest and accountable. It reminds women that they don't have to settle for less. When Cooper learned of her grandmother's eloquent rage about love, sex, and marriage in an epic and hilarious front porch confrontation, her life was changed. Um, and that really hooked me. I'm I'm excited to read Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper. Um, and then the other one is Tell Me More, Stories About the 12 Hardest Things I'm Learning to Say by Kelly Corrigan. So I've heard that people really like Corrigan's voice. And this is basically just literally her writing essays about like phrases that are difficult for women to say like no or i don't know or that's good enough and i think there's got to be at least a few essays in here that i'll identify with those two have been sitting on my shelf for quite a while and i would like to get to them i just don't know if i will in november i mean that's a classic comparison where You've got your stack of like five, and if I stacked my three, it would probably equal up to the same amount of pages. Probably, yeah. I'm just getting it done in some less number of books. Well, and the other thing with both of us is we're usually reading one nonfiction and at least one fiction book at a time. I'm going to try to read less fiction this month just to be intentional about it. So Mm -hmm. I think if I finish The Outsider, then it's all going to be nonfiction for the rest of the month. Um, if I burn through the three that I talked about, uh, the next one I'm going to pick up is The Rise of Theodore Roosevelt by Edmund Morris, which is part of a trilogy and that I've been trying to start for years and just haven't been able to. Yeah. But uh, that's a, the next ones in those are uh, Theodore Rex and the Colonel Roosevelt, if anybody's a Roosevelt or early 1900s fan wants to read those. Um, and then my next one that I'm trying to read in my Civil War backlog is uh, The Passing of the Armies by Joshua Chamberlain. So if people are looking for recommendations on that front, um, he was a general at Gettysburg, and then the book takes him all the way through the end of the war. You and your history nerd recommendations. I'm hoping that there's people that are enjoying them. I would have loved to have a podcast where people would be like, hey, history nerds, this is what you should read next. (laughs) Okay, well, and on that note, remember that if you're listening to this and you can't remember a book that we mentioned, you should check out our show notes. So on some podcasting apps, our show notes will actually show up within the app for you. Um, I personally use Podcast Addict, and I know that on that app, the show notes show up and it's easy to click on the links through there. But if that's not the case, you can go to our website, hereadsheread.org, and you can find show notes for every episode there. So if you are like, what are the three history books that Curtis mentioned? You can go to show notes and find them. We will also do a review episode of all the nonfiction that we tackled this month. And that will be available exclusively on Patreon at the end of November. So 
go over to Patreon and keep an eye out for that. Our next buddy read, as we mentioned, is going to be You Learn by Living by Eleanor Roosevelt. That episode is going to air on November 27th. And we'd appreciate all you listeners leaving us a review on iTunes. Reviews are essential for us to spread bookworm podcast love out to everyone. Open up your podcast app for Apple Podcasts or whatever you use and write us a quick note about why you listen to He Read, She Read. You can also connect with us on social media or email. Twitter and Instagram, it's at He Read, She Read. Email is He Read, She Read podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, the couple that reads together... Thinks learning is sexy. Oh, <laughs> Nobody I, can see oh. you lifting your eyebrows. Eyebrows don't translate to podcast. <laughs> no. Nope.